This is Brian Collins. I'm a uh, former Walt Disney Imagineer, and you're listening to the most wonderful podcast to hit the airwaves, Mousecapades. Interested in becoming a travel agent yourself and helping others plan their next Disney vacation? Interested in learning more about Surge 365? How to get paid to travel, make $1,000 bonuses, or just simply want to book your next Disney vacation with Disney professionals? Well, Dream Makers at Two Tickets to Paradise Travel are ready to help you make your wish come true. Contact travel at two tickets to paradise.net. Don't dream your life. Live your dreams. Have an idea, question, or want to share your experiences on the show? Contact Nick and Dave anytime. Email them at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Text them at 407-674-0414. Follow Nick and Dave on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Listen to Nick and Dave on iTunes, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for Mousecapades. Mousecapades Podcast. Now, from the Mousecapades Studios, here are your hosts, Nick and Dave. Good afternoon, good evening, listening from your phone, tablet, computer, maybe in your car, at home, work, school, hotel room, or even the Magic Kingdom, wherever you may be. Welcome to another episode of the Nick and Dave Mousecapades podcast, the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears. On our show, we have a very special guest, Brian Collins, will be talking about his education as a child and how he applied it to his career as a former Imagineer with the Walt Disney Company. But here's what's happening. You heard about Hurricane Katrina. That was 10 years ago. The anniversary is here, but we have another hurricane upon us, Hurricane Erica. That is threatening to disappoint thousands of Walt Disney World vacationers this week, buddy. There's yeah, some- I think we stopped Brian Collins from uh, his preparation of the big storm coming. So we're going to do this podcast with him, and then he'll get back to battening down the hatches. Yeah, there is some hope, though. Uh, Disney doesn't really uh, close, Dave, for parks during hurricanes, by the way. They pretty much just delay the opening, um, and they delay it to the afternoon. Um, the water parks, though, Dave, usually close and shut down entirely. So if you're going to a water park, you know Hurricane Erica might... Uh, be shutting that down for you. So, but the latest track though looks like that it may be a near miss. Did you see the latest track? Uh, yeah, Hurricane South, Erica. Right. Yeah, it looks like it's just gonna miss it. So, making the game just might luck out on this one. Um, did you hear about Reedy Creek, Dave? No, what's going on? Okay, so they're spending three hundred fifty million dollars. Guess on what? And I'm excited. Se- sewers. I don't know. You're close. I'm super excited. <laughs> Road improvements. Oh, road improvement. Yes, I remember I told Aaron when we were on the bus, I wish they would develop more side roads for the buses. Like back then, I said just for the bus transportation system, okay? 
somehow make it to where only the buses could go. So so you could get to places much faster, you know. Uh, but Reedy Creek is spending $350 million on road improvements for sh- shortcuts to hotels and resorts. Dave, and I just told you this is something that I think is overdue and needed to be in the works a long time ago. So I'm so super excited for this project to get underway. I know I'm a dork and it sounds very dorky, but... You know, anytime you can cut my travel in half or, or take shave off a few minutes to get to the Magic Kingdom is a good day for me. So, yay for Reedy Creek spending that three fifty million. Yes, that's all you have to say. You can take that yes as yes. I'm excited. Yes, you are a dork. Yeah, the answer is just yes. <laughs> okay, all right, moving on, dude. So Finding Nemo two. Okay, so the question is Finding Dory. Is it gonna have an anti Sea World message? Did you hear this? No, somebody said it was. Well, according to Ellen DeGeneres, yes, the voice of Dory in an independent newspaper coming out of the UK, and she also spoke to Yahoo, Dave. DeGeneres said that the whole uh, sequel is about rehabilitation and putting fish back in the ocean. Okay. Yeah, she said we have to protect our ocean. I'm that message. I am too. Um, finding Dory. We'll see DeGeneres. Fish searching for her parents, and it opens June 17th, my brother's birthday, by the way. So I guess, like, you know, in the coral reef, you know, where you eat dinner and stuff, let's just take right. all those fish and the sharks and all of them and just throw them back in the ocean because they're doing those fish a disservice. Yeah, they're going to be dinner. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're they're well, made, well taken care of there in that tank. Yeah, only Disney could say one thing and do another, right? <laughs> Anywho. No Dar- no Darla's around in that tank, for sure. All right, so moving on. Um, according to the Walt Disney World and America, excuse me, American Tourister, uh, they have teamed up, and this is pretty cool, to create new Disney luggage tags for all the guests staying at the resorts, Dave. I know, did you get your luggage tags when you stayed? recently we did we did they look different than the ones we had a few years back okay, so what did they, they look like bud these had mickey on them uh like the but all of them, old school all of them, mickey. okay okay yeah now they're going new school you know the new shorts the mickey shorts right with all the new design of all the characters yeah that's the style of art it's actually those characters from all the mickey shorts but what's cool is it now matches your band because of the oh, specific t- colors that go with the different colored bands Wow. So I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, I guess you can identify your bag by your band. Yeah, the last few times we've gone down, we've had the same old, same old luggage tag. Even though it's something, whatever, cheesy and simplistic, you know. Oh, you get a free luggage tag, which is nice. They don't have to do that. But I do like how they're going to the new styles. I think it's awesome. A little variety, too. All of ours were exactly the same. So, Dave, trumpets, please. Ba-ba-ba-bam. All right, it's official. The name for the Jungle Cruise restaurant? Want to guess? Skipper Tantina. Yeah, you're close. We we added a few more letters to it, but Ooh, uh, we were Canteen? close. Skipper's Canteen. Yeah. I, I like saw. Cantina better, but uh, yes, they are naming it Skipper's Canteen just released. So we were extremely close. We were spot on, really, dude. Give us a mulligan, right? Yeah, we'll always call it that anyway. So, yeah, I know, right? Just out of, by accident. So, Dave, you know, it's been a long time since we both ran in a marathon, right? Yes. Yeah, and we've had a lot of exciting stories spin off from going to Orlando and Anaheim. And I'm not going to get into those. 
but sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> You're shaking your head at me. No, for sure, I yeah, said. Okay, <laughs> for sure. Okay. No, it's for sure. Anywho, <laughs> Run Disney has announced today a new series of races taking place at Walt Disney World inspired by the dark forces of the Star Wars universe. Following the debut of a popular Star Wars-themed race at Disneyland Resort, the Walt Disney World event turns to the dark side of the force and will be titled Star Wars Half Marathon. That The dark side, actually. That's kind of unique. I like that. The dark side is going to be the half marathon. That's perfect for me. And this will feature kid races, a 5K, a 10K, also addition, you know, to the half marathon. The half marathon course will take place at... Uh, in Epcot, Disney's Animal Kingdom, and Disney's Hollywood Studios, and it finishes at ESPN Worldwide of Sports Complex. So, and also, you know, it wouldn't be a Run Disney event without multiple race challenges, and there's going to be two to choose from. I know we have some friends that uh, are crazy for you know running in every single event when we used to go down and, and run in these Disney events. They have a Star Wars Dark Side Challenge. Now, this challenge is running the 10K and the half marathon on consecutive days, and that offers the finisher a Death Star-themed medal. You know, I might just have to do that for the medal, Dave. For only $1,000. (laughs) It wasn't that much when we went out. Well, yeah, it was kind of pricey. It's a uh, lot. Yeah, it is a lot just for a weekend. If I'm going to spend that money, I'm going to spend a whole week down there. Then there's also the the Kessel Run Challenge. We're going to be completing the Star Wars Half Marathon missions on both coasts. So we did this a few years ago with the Coast to Coast Challenge. And it challenges runners. Uh, they can earn a, uh, a medal. They're still calling it the Coast to Coast, though. Medal inspired, you know, by the Millennium Falcon Starship. So do you want to do it again? I'm ready. Do you want to do it I'm again? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah I say cool. how much it costs, but I'd do it in a heartbeat. I know. I just want the medals, man. I mean, you run for the medals anyway, right? And then the dinner afterwards? Not at Disney, you don't. You run for every mile where there's a new character yes. that they reach you. Yeah, a matter of fact, I spent so much time stopping at every single uh, character and live animal in Animal Kingdom. Remember on the full marathon when I jumped in halfway? Yeah. Because <laughs> I chickened out on the full. I kept stopping at all of the Disney characters to get my pictures taken, uh, get my picture taken with them. And you actually passed me up. Remember? Yeah, and we didn't even see you. Or No, no, we no, did No, you see did. You. you did. I was petting like a pig at that time or something in Animal yeah. Kingdom or a goat <laughs> or something like that. I don't know why. I was just doing everything they had to offer. I figured if I spent that much money, darn right, I'm going to pet this darn pig that they have standing on the side of the road. Um, so finally, I want to leave you with a weird and strange story coming out of England. Are you ready? Let's hear it. It's a not-so-magical place called Dismaland. And it's a new grotesque theme park. It's an interactive art display-ish theme park. The creator's intent is to present a warped version of the happiest place on Earth, mocking today's politics and culture. So let me share this CNN segment for you, okay? You gotta listen. Oh my gosh. Europe's horsemeat scandal, the migrant boat crisis, life in a police state. Welcome to Dismoland. This is no ordinary art show. Well, after months of anticipation, Banksy's biggest exhibition to date, a play on Walt Disney's Disneyland. 
Inside Cinderella's crashed carriage, the princess surrounded by paparazzi. The piece speaks of shattered dreams of wannabe princesses and today's hungry celebrity pop culture. Social issues of corruption, injustice and politics at the forefront. Challenging our ideas, provoking discussion and arguments. Featuring artists such as Banksy himself, as elusive and anonymous as ever, cementing his status as a key player on the global arts stage. Right next to big names like Damien Hirst. Californian Jeff Gillette says he's never met Banksy and was contacted by the guerrilla artist's people via Facebook and invited to participate. It's more you got to go in there and experience and think and wonder and maybe get mad or maybe laugh and it's all here. That, that's, that's a deeper entertainment than I think any other theme park would have. The Bemusement Park is also meant to be interactive and experiential. What we think that we're going to turn upside down in some weird and wonderful way. <laughs> With rides, carnival competitions. Oh, first winner of the day. And the controversial migrant boat crisis turned into a bumper game. There is nothing lighthearted or simple here. Dismaland is the tragic end of a fairy tale rather than its beginning. Robin Creel, CNN, Western Supermare, England. So Dave, we just watched it. Uh, and, and the, our listening audience just listened to it. What's your reaction to this? Art is art, man. There's all kinds of art, and there's a ton of art that I don't agree with, and that sound, I mean, that just looked horrible. <laughs> so do you want to take a trip out to Dismaland? I'm thinking no right now. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, Dave. It's that time, buddy. Take us back. Here we go. We're traveling backwards in time. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. Okay, we're kicking off this week in Disney history with August 31st, 1938. Going way back for this one. This was the day that Walt and Roy put down a $10,000 deposit for land which would turn out to be their Buena Vista Street studio. Yeah, uh, you know, I remember that in the docu- in a documentary that I that I watched over the summer, and uh, it was a pretty exciting time for them. Yeah, they were able to put down that money based on the popularity of Snow White, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, one of the first reapings of Snow White, I guess. Um, also on that same day, August thirty first, but this time two thousand nine. This was a big day for recent developments, you know, coming off the D twenty three. This is the date that Walt Disney Company announced that it was buying Marvel Entertainment. So do you know the number, how much it costs them? Okay, just give me a yes or no. Was it in the millions or billions? It was in the billions. Yeah, I assumed it would be. Uh, I should have said hold yes, on, Hold though. on, hold on, hold <laughs> um, on. Is it going to be in the ones place value or the tens place value? Just the ones. Okay. It was a bargain. 4.5. Ooh, close. It was $4 billion. Okay. But they got the license for over 5,000 characters, including the ones that we know, Iron Man, Spider-Man, X-Men, Captain America, Fantastic Four, and Thor. Or uh, Iron Man, my son, calls Iron Man. (laughs) 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 All right, moving on. September 1st, 2005. Welcome to September, by the way. Uh, September 1st, 2005, this is when Ridley Pearson released the first original kingdom Keepers. i know i think it was last week's show that i talked about uh the sequel to the kingdom keepers this was the first of the seven books that he released 
I'm a huge fan of these books. Yeah, we're trying to get him on the show. We Our people have contacted him, and we've heard nothing. So I know he's been busy at D23, and he was with uh, Lou. But, um, yeah, he's right out. He's based right out here out of St. Louis. And us being homegrown here in St. Louis, I would hope that he would jump all over this. So if you're listening, please. Answer, yeah, and uh, he's a – every once in a while you see he'll stop by uh, – st louis public library for you know just a talk to everybody so um he's a busy dude always on always on tour with his books so that's pretty cool right now i'm reading the syndrome which is a spin-off book from the kingdom keepers all right so why don't you take your two personal days and burn up all your sick days and then wait for him on the doorstep i'll do that all right moving on september 2nd 1979 the date that big thunder mountain railroad opens up at disneyland on the response of the public here, they decided to create a thrill ride, and this was the first of their thrill rides. And, you know, we all know that it went over really well, and eventually they built a second one at the Magic Kingdom. I love that ride, even though you can see where you're going uh, somewhat because you do go through a canyon, you know, and around different cliff sides and things like that. I really like this because even though I know the layout of the track, it always seems to surprise me when I'm on the ride. So that's why I like it. It's very jerky. It's fast, and it, it surprises you, you know, even though you yeah, know the, the layout. The one out in California just got that refurbishment where you go in at the end, and you go into the powder keg room, and everything explodes. Well, the whole time we were at Magic Kingdom, uh, not this past time, but the time before that one, and I, and I was expecting to go into that room at the end at the Magic Kingdom, and then we got to the end, and I was so bummed out that it was the wrong Big Thunder Mountain. So yeah. anyway – Anyway, uh, September 4th, 1922, we go way back. This is laughogram time. This was the first black and white uh, laughogram, which was modeled, and it was called, and not the first of all of them, but this one was called Jack and the Beanstalk. And the reason I put this in Disney history is because they just announced that release of their new um, animated classic that's coming out, Jack and the Beanstalk. What was the name? I can't remember the name of it. Oh, dude, uh, I'd have to look back in our notes, but uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. But it looked pretty cool. We talked about that in the last episode too. Um, moving on, September 4th, that same day, but this time 2001. This was the the grand opening of Tokyo Disney Sea, which I did not know that it was called Tokyo Disney Sea. That's the park. That's the official name of the park. Oh, so it opened up. You go gotta ahead. go see it then. Well, see like S E A. Right. So that's the whole theming of the park. Okay. Yeah, so they had 20 attractions on opening day. Uh, some some ones to note, just after looking at the 20, I picked these three out. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. They had a Journey to the Center of the Earth ride. They also had a Little Mermaid Flounders Flying Fish Coaster, roller coaster. And I also, kind of I also heard they had a Kamikaze ride there, too. Oh, no, two more. Storybook ride, kind of like the Storybook Land Canal ride at Disneyland. And they also have an Indiana Jones ride, which... That's always a winner. Yeah. All right, I got one more. Speaking of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, September 5th, 1994, a sad day in my life because this is the day that they, in air quotes, temporarily closed down 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, this was a ride that when I was a kid, we would ride every time. You'd cram 30-something people into this submarine uh, and go around the loop underwater, and they'd take you down, and you'd see all the bubbles come up, and it was just, you know, from my childhood, and I'm I'm going on 40 here. I'm pushing 40. I can still remember the smell inside of those 
um, submarines and see the bubbles and, you know, the, the guy out there in the deep sea diving costume. And when you get attacked by the octopus or squid or whatever it was, I, I remember all of that. And probably the last time I rode that ride was 1990, maybe. Yeah, that was purely a ride based off of, you know, adventure is out there. You were on in an adventure. And that smell you're talking about, you're talking about like that wet, musky smell? Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, so that's it. That's it for this week in Disney history. A lot of stuff going on this week. Cool. All right. Think of a pentagram, Donald. Now put another inside. A third. And a fourth. No pencil is sharp enough to draw as fine as you can think. And no paper large enough to hold your imagination. In fact, it is only in the mind that we can conceive infinity. Mathematical thinking has opened the doors to the exciting adventures of science. Each discovery leads to many others. An endless chain. Of course they are locked. These are the doors of the future. And the key is... Mathematics. Right. Mathematics. The boundless treasures of science are locked behind those doors. In time, they will be opened by the curious and inquiring minds of future generations. In the words of Galileo, mathematics is the alphabet with which God has written the universe. We are back to school with a former Imagineer. He's an award-winning writer and video producer and a former Walt Disney Imagineer, where he helped create the magic for virtually all of Disney's theme parks. He has produced work for Virgin Atlantic Airways, Anheuser-Busch theme parks, the Orlando Shakespeare Festival, and the Miami Dolphins. As a passionate educator, he is a professor at Strayer University and has served on multiple faculties. Some of these might sound very familiar to you, like Full Sail University, International Academy of Design and Technology, and University of Central Florida. Our guest is also an accomplished speaker, where he has delivered many keynote addresses at Temple University, among others. Developing innovative approaches to education is a very special talent this guest is known for. Little ones, ages 3 to 33, if you want to work for the mouse someday, when you get a little older, well, you better find that volume button and turn it up. I want to extend a very warm welcome to Brian Collins. Hey, Brian, my friend, welcome to the show. Man, that guy who you're having on sounds like really impressive. I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> We're not worthy, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Very, very glad to be here. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, we're glad you're on the show. Um, I have to ask you one question right off the bat. Sure. I've been following you on Periscope, sure. um, and I'm sure Uh-oh. a lot of our listening audiences, our audience has been following you as yeah. well. But there was a scope that you put out, I don't know, maybe a month ago, and you had a very special pipe. Yeah, yeah, that was past the cast one night, yeah. Can you can you tell us about it? 
about the pipe? Yeah. Um, sure. Okay. So that pipe, um, I was really just using it as a pipe, as a prop, but the pipe is actually a um, really cool. It's a Meerschaum pipe, which is, um, if you're not familiar with Meerschaum pipes, they're those white, uh, pipes that are hand carved with these intricate designs. And that pipe actually belonged to my dad. And, uh, um, my dad used to be a big pipe smoker. As a matter of fact, some of my earliest memories of going to Disney World as a kid were being in the back seat of, uh, the family car with my dad smoking his pipe and like my brother and I just like, you know, gagging and like, dad, roll the windows down. So, uh, he, he was a big pipe smoker and that was one of his pipes. Um, dad is still around. He, he's 85. He'll be 85 actually next week. Um, but yeah, I stole that pipe from him because it's just a really cool looking prop. Yeah, that's crazy. Then, I had a bet going with Nick. Maybe it was the pipe from National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, but, but I'll tell you another. So, so I'll tell you another real funny kind of pipe story. Um, you know, like I so said, my dad was a big pipe smoker and one of the uh, projects I worked on at WDI many years ago was when they were redesigning the, uh, the queue area for the uh, Jungle Cruise. And I remember the show set designer came around the office and was like, do any of you guys have any like really cool props that maybe we could take and we could stick in the uh, queue area? We're going to make it look like this Adventures Outpost. So I actually uh, went home and I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, you still have some of those really cool old pipes from when you used to smoke. And, and he sent me up about a half dozen like really cool looking old pipes and I turned them over to the set designer and somewhere in the queue there should be a collection of his pipes um, tucked away somewhere so um, yeah yeah that's pretty cool to just yeah. think that you've left that piece of history behind with with uh, yeah with the crew yeah yeah so it was kind of fun <laughs> that's awesome so you're not a cool imagineer unless you have a cool pipe <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, now that I've got teenage kids of my own, you know, how cool can you be, right? Well, you know what I thought of? As soon as I saw that pipe, I'm like, well, this is interesting. You know, I, this isn't like him. It reminded me of Gandalf from uh, Lord of the yeah. Rings. <laughs> and, you know, I was just trying to do something really kind of goofy yeah. and different. And, um, you know, I, so I put on this smoking jacket and the ascot tie and had the pipe going and I saw the ascot. Awesome. That was great. Good touch. <laughs> I, I, I was just goofing, you know. Oh, it was awesome. Fun, so. It yeah, was awesome. <laughs> Most of my periscopes aren't like that, but. No, um, <laughs> no, but it was great. Yeah, switch it, it up. Switch it, was, it up yeah. every once in a while. It was different. Yeah. It was great. Hey, yeah, Brian, thanks. you mentioned one of your early childhood memories, uh, going to the parks with your dad. What age did yeah. you really decide for a fact that you wanted to be an Imagineer? Oh, Lord. Well, you know, I mean, the first time I went to um, Walt Disney World was in 1972, so I'm kind of aging myself already. Um, and, you know, I mean, what kid doesn't walk down Main Street, USA and get a glimpse of the capsule, uh, the capsule, the castle and uh, look around and, and just kind of think, wow, wouldn't it be cool to be one of the people that thinks up all this neat stuff and um I, I mean i definitely remember having those thoughts as a young kid didn't know what imagineers were uh at that time and you know i i always 
grew up going to Disney World, and every time I went there, I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to be one of the people that kind of creates this stuff? And, you know, it, it just kind of was crazy how after I graduated college and, um, you know, went off and got my first job and uh, eventually moved to Orlando to go to work for Disney. And, um, man, never thought in a million years I'd actually have a shot to get into WDI. And, you know, the stars lined up and um, I got very lucky and, you know, things worked out. So, well, back then, was, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on. It was just a very cool journey. So, well, back then, you probably didn't even know what Imagineer was, uh, maybe not the no. title, but uh, I'm sure your schooling played a huge role with you yeah. eventually becoming an Imagineer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the one thing that I've always been has been very curious. Even when I was in school, I, w I always loved to write. Um, and I always loved to learn about a lot of different things. I always had like very broad, diverse interests. And as I got older and got into junior high and then high school, you know, I, I um, got involved with uh, music and um, the arts and um, I liked history and, you know, traveled around a little bit as a kid. So I always had just really diverse interests. I always liked to write and went off to school and got my major uh, in school was in advertising. And I always thought I was going to be an advertising copywriter. And when I got out of school, my very first job actually was working as a writer, but as a uh, script writer for a video production company in Miami. And I didn't know a thing about video production, but I was always just a really good writer and just enjoyed it. And eventually, um, our company's, uh, again, I'm going to kind of age myself here, but our company's biggest client at the time was Eastern Airlines, if you remember them. Nice. And, yep. And my, my job was to write and produce the um, in-flight entertainment program for Eastern Airlines. And Official Eastern airline Air of Disney World, yeah. right? Yeah, at the time, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, if you had wings, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> so so I, I was doing that for about a year out of school, and Eastern Airlines eventually went belly up. And for the first time in my young career, I was out of a job. And, you know, again, always wanted to work for Disney. My brother was living in Orlando at the time, so I moved up here, uh, camped out on his couch, uh, went out to the um, – they didn't have a casting center back then. Back then it was a trailer uh, that was behind the Magic <laughs> Kingdom. Yeah, it was, it's, it's amazing uh, when <laughs> I think back about it. Um, but got a job, and I thought that – you know, here I was coming up with a full year of professional experience as a producer in Miami. So, so I thought for sure they were going to have this big office just overlooking the Magic Kingdom waiting for me to move right. into. <laughs> and uh, so the next week I found myself checking guests into the Contemporary Resort. <laughs> yeah, well, second then, best, right? <laughs> right. I right. take it. So. <laughs> so 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 that's how I started my Disney career was at the uh, front desk of the uh, the uh, Contemporary Resort. 
Um, but the timing was was right, and it was right when the studios were getting ready to open, and through a long series of events, um, you know, I started working at the studios as a production assistant, then started uh, doing some work for some marketing projects and uh, writing for the company Paper Eyes and Ears and producing some little videos, uh, corporate videos, and all of that work kind of led me to uh, Imagineering, uh, where I uh, met one of the creative directors uh, who had an office on the back lot of the studios, and he offered me kind of like a little test project, and I guess he liked it, and he asked me to come back and do another one, and that's kind of how I got my foot in the door with Imagineering, and the rest is history, as they say. What a cool story. Uh, you talked about how you have a wide variety of interests you know, when you were little. Nick and I both yeah. being teachers. Yeah. I have a daughter who's 11 years old who aspires yeah. to be an Imagineer. Um, yeah. and, and one of my passions about teaching is, is STEM recently changed into STEAM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Right. What do you have to say to people like my daughter who, who want to follow that path that you took and, uh, and as far as their schooling and, and what they can do with that? You know, um, that is a great question. And what I would tell you is that I think a lot of kids, especially her age, because I've got three kids myself, you know, okay. um, they're now uh, my youngest is, is a sophomore in high school. Uh, my old, my middle one's a, a senior in high school and my oldest is in college now. Um, I, I think, you know, from what I would say is that a lot of kids who are taking those kinds, is that okay? I'm sorry. No, was, was that you, Dave? That? Yeah, that was my fault. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shame on you, Dave. <laughs> go, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Okay. So I, I would say that I think one of the biggest challenges for kids when they're in school is finding relevance to what they're studying. How, you know, trying to figure out how math, you know, whether it's algebra or calculus or geometry is going to be relevant to them or how English is going might be relevant to them or history, you know, how's that going to be relevant to them? When I look back um, to my days in school and how all of that stuff helped me as an Imagineer. You know, it's kind of hard to connect the dots looking forward. Steve Jobs, I think, was famous for saying that. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. So looking backwards, um, I used all of that stuff when I was in Imagineering, even though I was a show writer. Um, I still used math. I still used physics. And I'll give you guys a couple examples of how Imagineers use that stuff. I mean, in my case, yeah, I was a writer, but there are a lot of different kinds of Imagineers. So the first thing I would say is find your passion, find what you love to do and focus on that. So right. if you love um, and enjoy math um, or, you know, the sciences like chemistry or my, my middle son loves physics i mean that's he wants to major in chemistry when he goes out to school and i'm still trying to figure out where he gets that from because <laughs> i was a writer yeah you know but but he loves chemistry that's his passion 
So find what you love to do and just be good at it. Um, now, when you make it into, if you want to make it into Imagineering, the one thing that they're going to look for is A, that you are very good at what you do, but also that you can bring something different to your field. Um, like I was saying, there are all different kinds of Imagineers. So um, if you like physics, then maybe you could major in engineering and design the roller coasters and the rides and the attractions. Um, you know, Imagineers do really amazing stuff with the technology these days. Um, I have a friend of mine who's an engineer actually at, at Disney. And I remember he took me behind the scenes of Expedition Everest and he was showing me the ride system and that coaster actually works on a magnetic levitation system. So yeah. the ride vehicles, um, they're actually, if you will, kind of floating above the track, um, using magnetic uh, forces to do that and, and to propel the coasters. I mean, you've got to understand physics, you know, to, to be able to design that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, in my case, I was a writer. So, you know, for me to be able to um, understand how to write in a lot of different styles was important. I had to be able to write technical material. I had to be able to write creative material. I had to be able to write poetry. I had to be able to write historical stuff. Um, and not only that, but as a writer, as a show writer for Disney, a lot of times I was called upon to just write about a very diverse uh, um, array of subjects. So, for example, if I had to write copy for maybe one of the World Showcase pavilions in Epcot, it was important for me to understand maybe or if I didn't understand it, at least go out and learn about, say, like Japanese culture or French architecture or German, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> <and> I blew it. <laughs> so, you, so you have to have a specific, like what you're saying, a tradecraft, as they say in the, like the CIA. You got to develop your tradecraft. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, and, you know, again, you know, when you're in school, I think it's just important to kind of soak it all in. And, you know, especially for younger kids, if there are younger kids out there listening, don't really worry so much, you know, if you don't know exactly what you want to do with all that information. Eventually, it's going to kind of reveal itself to you and, and you know, fig figure that stuff out. But, you know, just... Be curious and enjoy the process of, of learning because you never know how that's going to come back to help you out. Right, and um, I think that's why it's so important that they added that E to STEM to make that yeah. STEAM because there's so many kids out there that they want to get into you know a field that's got science to, and especially technology, but their strength is art. So I, I like that. You know, I teach a summer camp that's a STEAM camp, and we can pull some yeah. of those kids in, and we can pull their strengths along with maybe some of those other kids' strengths together, and together they make a team that's so much stronger. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I remember, like, one of the projects I had, again, you know, my job was as a show writer, as a script writer, you know, so, so most of the time I was writing bad jokes for the attractions and <laughs> spiels and stuff. But at one point, for example, they asked me, 
Um, actually, a couple times, it, it wasn't uncommon for me to work with the show set designers. And one project in particular I remember was um, we were creating a bunch of um, cutouts of the different Disney characters, um, and they were being cut out of steel, and then the characters were being painted onto the face of the steel cutouts, and then those were being mounted onto the back of the um, animation building. And, you know, it was really interesting because I found myself working with the animators, and one of the things that we had to do was translate the colors that they used for the ink um, to PMS colors that they use for paint, for uh, painting on the uh, um, signs and, and painting on the steel. Um, there are two different color systems, you know, between the ink and, and the PMS colors. Right. Um, so, you know, just you never know where you're going to be tapping into for different kinds of information. Um, uh, you know, I certainly wasn't an artist. I'm, I'm still, um, you know, relying on stick figures for the most part. <laughs> but, you know, for that project, I found myself having to read blueprints and, um, you know, work with the animators to understand the color palettes and um, work with the central shots and the machine shops to make sure that the steel was cut to spec. Um, so it was all kinds of stuff that was really kind of outside my traditional area of expertise. But if I hadn't, um, I like to think if, if I hadn't paid attention, you know, in those classes when I was younger, I wouldn't have had the base information to be able to pull off a project like that. So. Right. I'm so glad you just said that because Nick and I spend three fourths of our day talking about how what we are teaching the kids, you know, in third and fourth grade, it just build. It's just the foundation for what they're going to build in whatever they choose to do. Yeah. 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 Now, you know, well said, by the way, I, w I hope there are a lot of parents listening to this episode, you guys, because, <laughs> Brian, we get it all the time. These parents uh, contact us via email or through, you know, a texting app or, or even in person. You know, why are you teaching my kid such complex algorithms yeah. and things like that? When are they ever going to learn this later on in life or, excuse me, utilize this later on in life? And you try to explain to them. And here's an example. You know, you just never know. Well, let me tell you something. I mean, as Imagineering is evolving now, the technologies are that that, that they've got to work with are just amazing. Um, I mean, I remember hearing stories when um, the Haunted Mansion, for example, was and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, when those attractions were first being designed and conceptualized, they would set up um, scale models of them and uh, of the different scenes. And they would actually sit Walt Disney in a office chair and they would kind of push him through the scenes to give him a sense of the perspective and, you know, to turn the uh, chair in the direction that like the uh, dune buggies would turn. And, and that's kind of how they mocked it up. Nowadays, if you're an Imagineer, you're not going to be doing that anymore. You've got virtual reality that you're working with. You've got, you know, really complex um, visual softwares and modeling softwares that you can use. And if kids don't, you know, learn the basics, um, you know, and, and that starts with what you guys are teaching them in grade school, you know, as they progress into junior high and high school, um, 
you know, they're going to miss out on a lot of wonderful opportunities.、Um, to be an Imagineer these days, I think, probably takes a lot more technical skill and savvy than probably ever has at, at any time.、Um, theme park design is a wonderful, amazing career, but you know, you got to have the chops for it. It's not. It's not as easy as it it would seem, and that goes for people who want to be writers or, you know, graphic designers or anything else. I mean, it's it's really a sophisticated sophisticated、um, career, and especially when you get to the level of being in WDI. I mean, it's really, you know, you you've got got to be at the top of your game. So as things change up. For instance, with your career, did you have the opportunity? Did the WDI give you the opportunity to further yourself and get more training on how technologies evolve? I know, you know, it may not have been as advanced back when you worked for them, but but now I'm thinking that things change so quickly that I'm wondering if they are constantly training their employees. You know,、um, we always had the opportunity to, yeah, absolutely, to go out and to attend trade shows and conferences and. Industry, industry meetings and things like that.、Um, I'll tell you one of the things though that, to me, was was probably one of the biggest influences in learning how to be an Imagineer was the fact that the old guard、um, and a lot of them were still around when when I was at WDI. They would come and visit us, and they would talk to us, and they would tell us. You know how they did it, and and that was just priceless. I mean, having the chance to talk to Mark Davis himself, or John Hinch, or Raleigh Crump, you know,、wow. th- these are guys who were around、Legends. when Walt was doing、mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and and they were the original, you know, Imagineers who created this stuff. Right.、Um, and being able to kind of have that legacy passed on、uh, is, is, I think, a very important part of. Being in WDI, and that still happens to this day.、Um, awesome. You know, you get,、uh, yeah, you, you know, you get the older guys are are just so、um, generous and giving when it comes to working with the younger Imagineers. So,、Very、but、cool. but yeah, so so I would say、um, to answer your question, I I think it's a mix of getting that historical kind of feedback. But yeah, they absolutely do give you the opportunity to better yourself, and you know,、um, just to play an experiment as well, you know, and try different yeah. things. Yeah, just yeah. To, just to prove that you never stop learning, right? Exactly. No, you never do. So, Brian, for those kiddos that are listening to our podcast that really aren't interested in school or any subject for for that matter, how did you apply your knowledge in your personal career? In imagineering the parks,、um, you know, again, I, I think there are just a lot of different ways. I'll, I'll give you another example.、Um, you know, like one area that I never would have really thought, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, a- answer that in terms of how, how I may have connected the dots from when I was in gra- grade school or even in college to when I got into imagineering. Um, one of the projects I had was、uh, working on the Great Movie Ride and、um, tweaking some of the scripting and, and some of the、um, scenes w- within that attraction. 
And in order to be able to do that, I had to really kind of go back and pull on my um, knowledge of uh, movie history, um, which is, you know, part of humanities, studying humanities. Um, when I was, again, uh, you know, going over to Epcot, understanding the architecture in the Italian pavilion, you know, the Doge's Palace in the Venetian, um, you know, uh, style architecture, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, um, so I, I think there were, I, I think I just like constantly was finding myself tapping into, um, stuff that I thought I had like long forgot and, and certainly never thought I would need, you know, I mean, <laughs> trust me, you know, if you're a high school kid, um, studying Venetian architecture, it's probably going to be one of the most boring things, or you're studying, you know, <laughs> really, I mean, or if you're studying, you know, the German um, aristocrats, you know, things of that nature, I mean, you know, who who thinks they're ever going to use that? Well, guess what? As an Imagineer, um, I had to kind of go back and tap into that, or, you know, the history of silent movies or gangster movies, you know, I mean, whoever thinks they're going to use that kind of stuff, but sure enough, there I was, you know, kind of pulling on that kind of information. So, what part of the great movie ride, Brian, did you tweak? Um, the script. Most of my work, yeah, most of my work was done in the. So, spoiler alert here, but when you go on the great movie ride, depending on which car you're in. That car is either going to be hijacked by a gangster or by a Western bandit. Um, and I spent a lot of time with a couple other guys um, kind of uh, tweaking the, the blocking and the uh, theatrics uh, within those scenes. Um, and then also a, a little bit of the scripting throughout the attraction too, which now that it's... Um, been updated with Robert Osborne uh, from Turner Movie Classics, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I, I I don't know how much of my script is still left. Um, I think the blocking is still uh, some of that has survived. But yeah, that that was a really fun project. The many times I've ridden that ride, I've only been carjacked by a gangster. Never a Western <laughs> Bandit. Oh, you've never had no. the Western Bandit. I've never had the Western Bandit. Nope. Uh, Would have loved that that one's actually my fav favorite one. So, and, and again, so uh, I'll tell, give you another thing. So, um, during that scene, as we were working on the blocking, one of the things that uh, I found myself working on, which again was completely outside of my area of expertise, but um, if, if you guys uh, remember when you're uh, in that scene, the the bandit holds up a stick of dynamite and he shoots the fuse with his gun and tosses it into the bank and the bank blows up. Yeah. So we wanted to see if we could create like a more realistic fuse uh, for the dynamite. And I found myself working with one of our special effects guys on trying to create a fiber optic fuse. Uh, so when he shot it, the fuse would actually kind of light up before it got tossed into the bank. And, um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't think we were ever able to get it to work just the way we wanted it to. But again, kind of talking about what we were before, it's like 
you know, I certainly am not an electrician and certainly not, you know, someone who understands fiber optics, which is what you study in physics and that kind of stuff. But right. you find yourself kind of, you know, knowing enough to be dangerous and working with the guys who really are experts with that. And um, it just makes for some really interesting partnerships and projects. So, again, you just never know. Uh, what's going to come up and how you're going to need to tap into that prior knowledge. So tell us, you also had a hand in uh, Frontierland, or was that uh, Liberty? No, Liberty Square, correct? Um, not well. Okay, so so not so much of a hand um, personally in that. One of the projects I did do was write one of the uh, earlier versions of the walking tour of the Magic Kingdom. And to do that, I had to do a lot of research uh, of all the different lands, actually. But Liberty Square, in particular, was one that I enjoyed researching because um, I actually, I, I mentioned John Hinch before, um, I actually got to do a walkthrough of the park with John um, back at the time, and he was actually one of the original Imagineers that helped design pretty much all the Magic Kingdom, but but did quite a bit of work in Liberty Square. Um, so being able to kind of, uh, again, you know, kind of walk through with him and ask him questions about why they designed this or how they designed that was pretty phenomenal. Very neat. You know, yeah. I'm backtracking here just a little bit, Brian and sure. Dave, and I do apologize. Talking about roller coasters and yeah, um, Dave, you do something in your class that I think the kids might want to hear pertaining to the math. Um, can yeah. you give us some insight, Dave? What it is that you yeah, do? Yeah. So, so uh, two years ago, I was selected by the district to write the science lesson plans for all of the fourth grade in my district. So. One of the things that we get to do is uh, we use foam insulation pipe, cut it in half so it makes kind of like a, chi- a U channel. Yeah. And we talk about we talk about uh, Newton's laws and we talk about you know how the the whole goal of the kids is they have to roll a marble down this roller coaster track and they have to go over two hills and you know the end result is that they have to measure how tall the hills are and combine the the height of the hills with the, where they start their marble from to get the marble to go all the way through their roller coaster track. So it's things like that that like right. that really gets me going when it when it when it comes to the kids thinking about, you know, we're right. gonna make this one tall and this one short and just like the uh, the whole engineering process of that just is a super cool thing that we do uh, in the fourth grade. Well, that's, you know, it's interesting because I was talking about like Expedition Everest, for example. And when I was um, talking to, to my buddy, who's the engineer out there, um, he was explaining to me not only the magnetic levitation you know system that they use for, for the coaster, but um, he was explaining how once the coaster hits a certain point and goes over a big drop at that point, it's kind of using its own force to make its way around and through the track. Right. And so it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's really fascinating when you talk about, you know, getting kids to take a marble, run it down and, um, 
you know, make it all the way over the path, over the humps and everything to the end. It's not as easy as you think. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure that the guys who eventually designed Expedition Everest and many other roller coasters out there, that's probably where they get that first spark of, you know, physics and, you know, motion and all that kind of stuff. So... Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. why we do it, because there's that one kid out there that's looking for something that's just like that to get him going. And, and you know, 20 years from now, maybe I can say I helped that kid along yeah. you know, when he's when he's designing the next Expedition Everest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now that you're not actively engineering anymore, Brian, <laughs> what, what are you up to now? Um. Well, nowadays, I actually have a website that I began called WD With Me. And if you go to my website, um, there's a couple of things. Um, one, I have a whole bunch of social media on there. So you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is um, WD With Me Brian. So please follow me there. Um, you can go to my Facebook page. Uh, which is official WD with me. So please check out my Facebook page and please like me because I like to be liked. Um, <laughs> I have a um, YouTube page where I post. Uh, I, I tried to do a lot of periscopes from the parks and the resorts. And whenever I do my periscopes, I always try to uh, do them from that former Imagineer's point of view and give you guys kind of like behind the scenes look at different areas so like one of my periscopes for example i did at the um q area for the haunted mansion and i talked about all the different tombstones and whose names were on the tombstones yeah i was um, watching that one actually. yeah yeah it was a lot of fun i i've done them from uh like morocco for example and talked about the architecture i've um i've done a i probably have about gosh probably about 15 or 20 of them up there now so check out my youtube page um, and, and the other thing is that if anyone is ever interested in touring the parks with me, I offer myself up as a tour guide. Um, so if anyone's ever thinking about coming to uh, Orlando to visit any of the parks, you can go to my website, wdwithme.com, and there's a place on there where you can book a tour, and I will take you through the parks, any of the parks, and uh, show them to you from the point of view of a former Disney Imagineer. So that's very cool. On your yeah. site, you know, I was checking it out uh, earlier, and you have like a corporate slash education tab that yeah. you can click on. Yeah. And you have some free stuff on there that's pretty cool. You have some downloadable yeah. uh, information on how to think like an Imagineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some brainstorming tips on there, tips for brainstorming. Um, that's something else that I do as well for corporate clients. If any of you are out there listening, if you want to bring your uh, corporate team to Orlando and do a really cool workshop, um, I do an amazing workshop on how to think like an Imagineer, and I can also like lead uh, the teams in brainstorming sessions and innovation sessions and that type of thing. So um, certainly I'll come to you as well if you want me to, but um, it's usually more fun if you guys come here. So, yeah. Have you... Did I? I can't remember if this was you. I was looking up, but did you go? You travel to schools as well, um, like elementary schools or private schools, and, and give us. Uh, uh, you're like a keynote speaker there on on top um, of the universities. 
so yeah, I mean, those have mostly been for faculty.、Um, in the past, I've given some presentations to faculty, but、um, I was actually the one of the founding members of the Central Florida STEM Education Council. So、um, STEM education has been something that's been very、um, near and dear to my heart for a long time.、Um, a few years ago, many years after Imagineering, but、um, several years ago, I worked for the Florida Virtual School as an innovation specialist, and my job was to go out and find new and emerging technologies and figure out how to cross-pollinate those technologies into education and In doing that, a lot. Of, I spent a lot of time、uh, with students,、uh, talking to them and, and、um, working with them, and trying to get them、um, excited about some of the really cool new technologies that we were bringing into,、uh, try, trying to put into their hands. So, yeah, and I'm sure you have a lot、yeah. of spinoffs with new, like you just said, with new projects and things like that.、Um, what kind of seeing or like what kind of growth have you seen out of The faculty, or maybe students, that、uh, you've seen some projects spin off of this, maybe with you going to these universities. Do you ever follow up and and yeah, a, a, a little bit.、Um, you know, I, when when I was involved, a lot of projects had to do with、um, mobile technology,、um, how, how to use mobile devices and deliver content, edu- educational content via mobile devices. Whether it was phones or pads,、um, I actually created a virtual frog dissection, which was a lot of fun.、Um, <laughs> nice. So no longer、um, can、uh, certain students decide they don't want to do it because it's、uh, inhumane. Right, right, or gross, or anything like that. It was and it was actually in 3D. So the cool thing about it is that you could. It was designed almost like a game, and you could do the frog dissection just normally, you know, without 3D glasses. But if you wanted to, we we would send the students these 3D glasses, and when they put them on, the dissection all of a sudden became like a 3D dis- dissection.、Whoa. So that was really cool. <laughs> That's cool.、Um, That's awesome. Yeah.、Um, another really cool project I did was actually a partnership with Villanova University, and、um, what I did with them was、uh, there's a guy out there who had a camera that records video. In 360 degrees, kind of like circle vision, right?、Um, and when you watch the video, you can actually watch the video, and as you're watching it,、um, and the video is playing, you can actually spin around and control it to look up and down, and you know all the way around、um, while the video is playing. So that was really cool. We did one at the、uh, Gettysburg Battlefield, and we did one for、um, oh the、uh, Um, in Philadelphia, the、um, Independence Hall, where where the Declaration of Independence was signed, so it was really, really cool. We did a walkthrough all the way up to the desk where the Declaration was signed, and you could actually, as you're watching the video, like I said, kind of spin around and and look around the room. So it was very cool. Virtual field trips. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. You talked about your individual tours, you know, with.、Uh, With a former Imagineer, so、yeah. people can just contact you via your website and and book a tour. How much do those? They can. How much do those typically cost, Brian?、Um, it's 150 bucks for three hours, and you cannot 
per person. Um, and then you can book, you know, additional hours if you want to as well. But, but that's really the base price. And yeah. Um, you can, uh, do that right on the website now. Um, I actually just recently got that up and running so that people can actually book that right on the website. Um, certainly, you know, if anyone has any questions, they can email me either through the website or just send me an email at brian at wdwithme.com. Yeah, and you're super fast. Uh, I know when I contacted you uh, a little while ago, I mean, you responded within like probably an hour or even less, actually. It was it was wild. So, yeah, I'm looking at the web page right now. It looks beautiful. It looks absolutely amazing. Um, I like how you have the photo contest thing up there. And yeah. uh, I love how you have your blogs and yeah. uh, you have some Periscope stories on there with Wilderness Lodge. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it's really neat. So I encourage our listeners to go to his website. Again, that's wdwithme.com. So visit his website. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Um, I guess we're pretty much going to wrap it up. But anything else you want to tell um, our kiddos? Or adults that may be listening to our show. Yeah, stay in school, kids. Um, you know, <laughs> stay in school. Um, you know, I wish I had two awesome teachers like you guys when I was in school. Um, you know, I, I had you know the boring old teachers, and I still wound up being an Imagineers. So, uh, hey, we do know. what we can to keep them entertained. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just like I said, find your passion, focus on it, and you're going to do fine. And whether you become an Imagineer or anything else, um, you know, j- just find what you love to do. There's an old saying that says, if you love your job, you're never going to work a day in your life. And, um, you know, uh, for, for older kids, um, especially like if there's anyone in college, I will say that WDI has an internship program that you can apply for. And, um, you know, so you can Google, Google information for that. Um, but, you know, certainly look into uh, maybe doing internships if you're really interested in, in that. Very competitive and tough to get into. But if you do, it, it's a wonderful experience. And, um, you know, it was I, I just feel very lucky, and very um, blessed and honored to have been able to have been a part of um you know, WDI uh, for the short time I was. So, yeah. We really appreciate so, you coming on and talking to us. We really appreciate you coming on and talking to us, Brian. It's been it's been awesome and and just so cool to hear your perspective of how things went as far as your career and you know the words that you have advice that you give to to kids all around. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I, you know, sometime love to come back and. and talk some more right, hey, right. anytime you want anytime <laughs> and if you guys ever make it to orlando you know look me up i'll, I'll take you into the park and show you around outstanding yeah i'm trying to convince my wife brian to move down there as we speak yeah. um <laughs> yeah so parents and students for those of you that question your teachers you know when am i gonna uh use this information that you're trying to shove down my brain uh you heard it first with the former Imagineer Brian Collins. You can find him on Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, um Periscope. Do you have an Instagram account? I do not have Instagram. You got to get um, one. I you know, I've got a Pinterest. I, so when I was I'll, I'll tell you a little funny story, okay? So sometimes Imagineers don't always get it right either. When I first was putting together all my different social media accounts, um 
I didn't really understand the difference between Pinterest and Instagram. And so I created a Pinterest account. And now I'm looking at that thinking I probably should have done Instagram because Pinterest isn't really what I was thought it was um, for me. So you might be seeing an Instagram account sooner than later. Yeah, you picked the wrong one, buddy. Yeah, I did. I know, I know. I know. Even Imagineers make mistakes sometimes, Dave. You know, like like putting Frozen in Norway. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but but there are some great pictures on there. You know. But but you're not going to learn how to uh, frost a cupcake or you know write a script or something on <laughs> on my Pinterest account. You're just you're just going to see some pretty pictures. So nice. you can check it out. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I just want to give you a special thanks. And a round of applause. I also thanks. want to thank Josh Van for listening. Josh, thanks for listening to all of our podcasts and being so supportive. Uh, Jeremy in Colorado, thanks, brother, for listening. Mario, right thank inside you, the Jeremy. Ma- That's right. Mario, right Mario. inside the Mario. Magic Kingdom. That's right. Mario. See him on your next vacation right inside the Magic Kingdom. Outstanding person. Vicky, thanks for listening. You, I know you've listened since the very beginning. Give us great feedback. Vicky. Keep that coming. And my dad, if you're still listening, God bless you. Uh, (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Big shout out to all the dads. I mean, you heard me talking about mine. Yeah, definitely. Got to give the dads a shout out. Thank you for listening to the podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Nick and Dave Mousecapades podcast. Again, thanks, Brian, for coming on our show. Have a magical day. Take care, guys. Thank you.